0: Ezra, chapter eight, chapter eight. Ezra, chapter eight. Verse 15. The words of Ezra. And I gather them together to the river that runneth to Hahava, And their abode we intense three days and i viewed the people and the priest and found there were there none of the sons of levi and i'm preaching today on the subject none of the sons of levi none of the sons of levi Now, I know you're always honest, but be sincere. How many of you have ever heard this passage preached? Good, we've got a lot we can learn together today then. The sermon may not be long, but it'll be to the point. Ezra is an interesting book in the fact that there are two other prophets that's tied to the times of Ezra, the prophet Nehemiah and the prophet Haggai. They were all contemporaries of the time that Ezra recorded this writing. The thing with Ezra that's just a little bit different, and most people, uh, when you read your Bible, it's not a mistake. It's just, it's just one of those things you have to take time to search it out. Ezra, really, uh, most people say, well, it's to the time that the Jews went out of Bab- Babylonian captivity after 70 years and they returned to rebuild the temple. Well, that's, that's not wrong, but that's not the whole story. The whole biblical account, this book is vitally important to Jewish history and the people of God and therefore it's vitally important to us. We find really in chapters one through six there are two groups of people that return under Ezra and then a third group under Nehemiah that return back to Jerusalem from Babylonian captivity. You've heard me preach before, the problem was that some of the Jewish people after 70 years, they determined in their mind why go back There is no temple. There's no place of worship. Everything's been destroyed. Our house is in desolation. Everything's in destruction. There's just despair. We've gotten comfortable with living in Babylon. We've gotten comfortable with living right where we're at. We eat well. We have everything we need. It's not that bad being under the Babylonians. They're not cruel to us, but yet there's one problem with that. It wasn't home. So God first through a decree of Cyrus, allowed Zerubbabel to go back. Chapters one through six, you'll find out that in chapter two, about verse 64, 65, there on down, you can total all of them, but there were over 50,000 or about 50,000 that gathered with Zerubbabel to start on their journey back to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple. Well, they got there, they were excited, Uh, It's kind of like people after COVID when they got to come to church the first time, they were real excited and we're never gonna leave church again. Oh, preacher, I miss church so bad. You don't know how bad I missed worship and being with God's people lasted two months. Oh, the excitement was over. Now I am gonna preach today. Hey, you do know I preach for a living, don't you? I know when I'm doing good and when I'm not doing too good. I don't have to have you to tell me if I'm doing good or not. I know what the book says. And when they get back, they were excited. They jump right in and, oh, they can't wait to get started. But 23 years later, the foundation is done. The work stops and they say, you know, really, we need to build our house. So they leave God's house alone. They go back to building their own life and leave God out of the picture. Now this is God's people. I'm not talking about the ungodly or the worldly. It's God's people. And they suddenly say, you know, I'm more important than what God is. I'm more important, my house is more important than God's house. My job is more important than doing God's job. So they get discouraged and they quit. 60 years pass and they send out. 23 years they've been there, that was the end of it, that's all they got accomplished. So they get a second decree. And he gets another decree, there's three decrees, one from Cyrus, one from Artaxerxes, and the other from Darius. And each one of these decrees go out. This time, we know there's a decree for Nehemiah and the people to go back and rebuild the walls. Then there's this decree that comes about in chapter seven. He's got a a letter from the king and he's able to go back to Jerusalem. And here they are, they're getting everything ready to go. They come down to the river. He's got the letter from the king. He is excited. Only this time there's not 50,000, there's about 2,000 that have now decided we're gonna go back and we're gonna build the house of God. So they get there, get everything in order, they're standing at the river, it's home going time. That's where we're at as a church. Not Rubyville church, the church. We're just about at the river and it's just about time to go home and the Lord is just about to come again. So it's almost home-going time. And they gather and together. They they start numbering the individuals that are there. God says, now look at the people. And he said in the text that I read you, he said, we got down to the river and I started to look over the people. And he saw all these groups of people. I didn't take time to read it. Read it when you go home. He found different men and their families. And he starts numbering the men that's there with them. And there they are standing at the river. It's home-going time. And finally, he looks around around and he realizes there's none of the sons of Levi here. They're gone. Where are they at? We're going to rebuild the temple. They should have been the first one here. Well now that sounds great but Who are the Levites? Give me just about two minutes to tell you who they are. See, automatically when you hear that phrase, you think of priest. Well, the high priest had to be a Levite. The other priest had to be the Levites as well. But they were more Levites. There were more Levites than just the high priest and the priest. The Levites were a landless group of people. God never gave them a permanent inheritance. He never set a boundary out for them in the promised land. What he did with the Levites was he scattered the Levites all through all of the cities. Joshua 21, I think, if I count it right, 48 different cities there. He scatters them through the cities. And he has the law of God behind him. And he says exactly what that law is. Deuteronomy 33 tells us what it is. Chronicles tells us what it is. The Levites had certain responsibilities. See, It's amazing that God used the Levites because Levi was a man of cruelty, a son of cruelty. And he he committed a terrible sin with one of his brothers. And it's amazing how God can take somebody that is so sinful and turn their genealogy around and give them the importance that the Levites had. He took somebody that was absolutely cruel They were so sinful, they were cruel, what they did. Time doesn't allow me to go into it. I've preached enough here, you ought to know it. But by the way, God raised them up and said, you've got certain responsibilities now. You are to observe the law. You are to teach the commandments of my word. You are to be holy before God. You're to teach the people the law of God and you're to show the people how to live by the law of God. I've scattered you abroad like stations. Really, it is a picture of the church now. Not that we replace this structure, it is just symbolic of what the church is now. We have Rubyville church here, but there's dozens of churches in our county and thousands of churches in our states, and thousands and thousands of churches, over a million churches in America, and millions and millions of churches all around the world, because God said, just like I scattered the Levites so that everybody everywhere would have access to my law and to my word, I'm scattering the Levites out into all of these places, so it is a picture of the people of God that present the word of God, and that's more than just preachers. You have a responsibility to tell people of God and his goodness and his salvation. Wherever you go, you have that responsibility. So they're scattered out. They are the ones during wilderness times where during that wandering through the wilderness, the Levites had the responsibility of caring for the tabernacle. They packed up the furniture. They were the ones that carried the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant is symbolic of the presence of God and the promise of God. So here they are. They were responsible for the cords, for the curtains, for the coverings of the tabernacle. The people didn't move until the Levites moved. When the Levites moved, the people followed the Levites. They had that responsibility for caring for the sacred things of God that had been entrusted to them. And now here they are going back to rebuild the temple, the house of God, and the ones responsible for the house of God weren't there. I told you i can tell when I'm doing really good and when I'm not. They weren't there. Now this next part's not gonna go over good with some of you because you're like muddy water. You're real wide, but you can't tell how deep you are. He gets them down to the river and he said, this is what we're gonna do. We are not gonna go forward without the Levites being here. There's no need to build a house if the ones that are responsible for caring for the house and the ones that are responsible for teaching the word in the house are not in the house. There's no need to have it. I watch it all the time. People tell me, oh, preacher, did you see, ever drive through this, do you see that church? And I said, yeah, and they said, man, isn't that something? I said, they don't have no people. They said, well, how do you know? You've never been there. I'm not, an, I'm not crazy. I look outside and see parking spaces for 25 cars and a church that'll see a 1,000 people. You need more parking spaces. They built the house, somebody had the money to build the house, somebody had the wisdom, somebody had the, they had everything they needed. They had the architects, they had the carpenters, they had the singers, but you know what? You can't build the house with just good programs, and you can't build the house with just singing. See, I told you I'd find out how shallow you were. You just told me, you think church is just about singing. You say, oh my, 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 what a service we had. The preacher didn't even get to preach. i tell you what kind of service I'd like to see. It's a service that the singers don't get to sing. We think we can build a church on singing across this country, it won't do it. I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about the word of God. Somebody's gotta teach the word. Somebody has got to preach the word. Somebody has got to show people holiness and live the life that they preach. Hmm. So they get them there. He says, go get Eliezer, have Eliezer get his sons. I want them to come. I can tell this is thrilling you all to death. Let me help you out. When they get there, verse 28, he said, while they went to get them, they started praying and fasting. Bring us some Levites. Bring us somebody that'll do the work. See, most people's all talk no work. This is the laziest generation of Christians on record in America. I know you're not saved by your works, but you ought to work because you're saved. (laughs) Hey, you can accuse me of a lot of things, but you'll never accuse me of being lazy. Amen. I'm not tooting my own horn. I don't believe God builds a church with lazy preachers. I don't, hold on, it's gonna get deeper. (laughs) So they pray and fast and they get them there. So we need to fast because once they get here, we're going into perilous times. We're headed in the end days here people and we're headed into perilous times. We're we're, we're at a point now where men and women can't endure sound doctrine. They can't take sound preaching because they've not heard sound preaching. Some of them will never hear a sermon like I'm gonna preach to you today. So they get them all there and this is what they do. Verse 28, I said unto them, this is to the the Levites now, not just priests, it is the people that are part of taking care of the house of God. How many of you today are saved? You're in the family. This is every one of you that he's writing to. You have a responsibility, A to God and B to his house. And this is what he said. And I said unto them, Ye are holy unto the Lord. The vessels are holy and the silver and the gold are a freewill offering unto the Lord God of your fathers. So the fathers have passed on giving and they have brought their offerings to the Lord. And because of that, they have these vessels for the temple, for God's house. And this is what he said. Watch ye and keep them until you weigh them before the chief of the priests and the Levites and the chief of the fathers of Israel at Jerusalem in the chambers of the house of God. So took the priest and the Levites, see the difference? He categorized them. He took the preachers and the people, the priest and the Levites, The weight of the silver and the gold and the vessels to bring them to Jerusalem unto the house of our God. Now, I'm already later than I plan to be with this, but let's get this right. When they get there, he lays out silver, gold. And he says, This is sacred. This was given by our fathers to us for God. He went to these 12 men, if you'll allow me. I, I don't mean to paraphrase, but I want you to understand what he did. He went to these 12 men and said, This is special, this is sacred. This is for the sanctuary, and he waited, and they wrote it down. How do you know that they wrote it down? The total weight is in Ezra chapter eight. They weighed it exactly what it was, and then he gave it to them, and this is what he said you better not steal from it. You better not use it for your own purpose and your own self gain. You better not let somebody steal it because when we get to God's house, we're crossing this river and we're going home. And when we get home, the high priest has appointed someone to weigh it. And it better be the same weight that you just got. Hmm. I'm letting it soak in for a minute. Most churches that I go into, most churches, I love them, and it's nothing to do with the people. There's some great people but what was handed them, they didn't take care of. Oh, they said they took care of it because they know the lingo, they know the dictionary, they know the right words, they know how to work things up. Only problem of it is they haven't fasted and they haven't understood what was given to them. Caught them together. This is precious. Silver, gold. It was given to me. It's yours, but it's not yours. By the way, when we get home, there's coming a time I'm going to ask for that back. And it had better weigh the same. Hmm. Oh, Ooh. Tim Silver Gold That's precious. I spent my life taking care of that. You hold it. When we get home, he's gonna ask for it back. It better weigh the same. Do you know what, I'm gonna preach to preachers for a minute, is that all right? Do you know what our problem is? God gave me a call. Oh, you gotta know that you're called. Yes, God gives us a call, but the call is not enough. The call is the separation into the work of God, but I know, oh God, This week I have spent time praying, fasting, seeking God. God, if it's my home-going time, have I taken care of what was passed to me? I'm gonna answer to you, Lord. It's more than a call. Having it in my hand and not having the anointing of God on me and going to a church where that I preach to the living dead is not good enough. Come on. That didn't settle well. Oh, if I jab you and poke you, stir you, you might say amen, but the truth of the matter is, when God saved your soul, he gave you something more valuable than silver and gold. He saved you, wrote your name down in the book of life, and he said, you better take care of it, and you better protect it. There's an enemy that wants to steal it and take it away. There's an enemy that wants to destroy it. There's an enemy that would love to destroy Rubyville Church, but we need some folks that'll get on their feet and say, not on my watch. I'm gonna take care of what God's passed down, and I'm gonna watch over it. And at the end of the journey, I want it to be the same as what was passed to me. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. You better hear me. Now, I didn't mean to single these two guys out. I, I, I had two precious coins. And I didn't know who I would give them to today until this service. I passed them on to these two. Every preacher in here, if I had one, I'd give it to you. But I do the best I can to give it to you every time I'm in this pulpit. You better not mess it up. I'm telling you. You better not mess it up. You can stew up and get mad at me all you want to. Hey, Brandon, don't you dare mess this up. Our younger deacons, they passed it on to you. Don't you dare mess it up. You'll say, I'm not coming back. Well, then I know who I preached to this morning. I don't even have to waste time praying about it. We don't want to learn. Hey, I, I don't want your pity today. This has cost me something. Salvation didn't cost me anything. The call didn't cost me anything. But it has cost me something. To be what weaker preacher that I am, it's cost me something to get there. Oh God, I don't want to fail you now. I don't want to fail you now. I don't want sermons that I cut out of a book and get up and give three or four points that sound good and make the people whoop and holler. I, I, I wanna give something that'll, when they get to heaven, they'll say, look here, he loaded us down with the word of God. Don't let me fail you now, Lord. I'm too close to crossing the river. I'm too close to answering for what's been given to me, Lord. I'm almost home, and God, I. I don't want to blow it now. I want you to weigh me in and say, I've got good news. You're weighed, but you're not found wanting. You did what I asked you to do. You've given your all for me. You have done what I required of thee. You preached the word. You observed the covenant. You've kept the covenant. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done. Oh, some of you saying, whew, thank God I'm not a preacher. I'm not through with you yet. <laughs> Phil Roderick is in King's Daughter's Hospital, and I'm not divulging a secret. He's taken treatments three times. They aren't working. They've got him scheduled to go to a cancer specialist of Columbus, but they had to admit him in a hospital with kidney failure. Ted Bussey. Is there anyone in here don't know who Ted Bussey is? <laughs> Y'all know Ted, Ted Marty. Ted's down in a local hospital. They kept him for observation. He was helping somebody out at Denver's house yesterday to do some work and he got lightheaded and his blood pressure went up and they took him to the hospital. He is so dizzy he can't stand up. And all my life, I don't remember one of the time Ted was sick, I've known him all my life, my whole life. And there's only one of the time I remember him being really sick and that was, it wasn't a thing that he felt bad. He lost his voice, had a big knot in his throat. He was on his way to Jamaica. He got anointed on Sunday night and when he got to Jamaica, the knot was gone. He was able to sing. Hey, I know Ted Bussey. You can't lay a finger on his life. He'd help any one of you if I called him right now and said, Ted, one of our folks, they've got this wrong or that wrong. I'll drop everything, preacher, and be right over there. Now, I know you're gonna pray for these men. I know you're gonna pray for Barty. Phil's wife's already with the Lord. I know you're gonna pray for him. I'm sorry, I'm in overtime. Is that okay? I know you're gonna pray for him. But every time we have a work day around here, and I drive by, I'd say the average age is 78 of the guys working, 75, 78. Do you honestly think this place just got here? Do you think this just happened? Oh, if we pay everybody, they'll come. You look at me right here, look at me. I'm not paying you to come to church. Nobody ought to have to pay you to come to church. We ought not have to pay you to do things for the glory of God. I know people have to make a living. I'm not against any of that. I know there's trade sometimes that some of you give your time and you work, but that's not my point. My point is I just pointed out two of our men and I could give you a list this long of other men and women in this church. When Esther Conklin went to be with the Lord, I'm telling you the truth and the ones thank you for jumping in and helping out all of these years, but it is the truth. After she got sick and could not do the duties, she was what I consider to be my personal secretary, really. She did so much. Historian of this church, she did so much. Five people started trying to do her job and all five would tell me, we can't keep up. How did she do that? Can I tell you how she did that? She was entrusted with something and she said that is sacred and that is special and at the end of my life, I wanna do the best I can with it and she did the job. Thank God for people that stepped up and said I'll fill in and I'll do this and I'm not overlooking any of you. I do appreciate what you do, but. I tell you what, it's time for some of you young men and young women, you keep saying, these these people need to pass the torch. You know why the torch isn't passed in churches? Because they're too lazy to come to a work day. How can they depend on them to be able to do the work of God when they're not there? We need somebody that'll say, if my name's not in the bulletin, I'm gonna do it anyway. If I don't get a thank you from the pastor, I'm gonna do it anyway. God sees. God knows. And God will bless me for it. Somebody that'll do it. See, that's, God bless you, brother. See, that's a problem. You ought to let me preach myself to death and not move. You would. You'd absolutely care if I dropped dead. Oh, you'd, you'd cry. But don't you see, I don't want your applause. I don't want your amens. I want you to take what God has given you and say, I'm going to protect it And by the way, God wants to give you, if you're lost today, the most special gift, the greatest possession, more valuable than silver and gold. He wants to give you salvation, save your soul. I'm looking for somebody that's gonna say, Lord, you gave it to me. I'm gonna take care of it. I'm gonna watch over it. Oh you will be weighed. All I've heard about, I told you I'm in overtime, people's praying now. I'm trying to get you to look at your heart. All I've heard about for, I don't know, maybe a month, I could be wrong on the day. All I've heard about is these two fishermen that went to a walleye tournament. It's in the news everywhere. Have you heard it? It made national news. And they took little fillets of walleye and took lead sinkers and stuffed them down in the stomach of the walleye they caught. So when it come way in time, when it came way in time, their fish was smaller or the same size as the other fish. They were all the same length or less length, but guess what, they weighed eight pounds more Now, do you know why they weighed eight pounds more? Because it was artificial weight. They stuck something foreign down inside of them. And I'm here to tell you, when you get before the high priest in the city of God, I don't care what you stuff that's artificial down inside of you. He knows the silver from the gold. He knows what's sacred and he knows what's precious. And he's saying, you better take care of what I've given you. Oh, but preacher, you don't understand. There's so much, the kids are involved in this and the kids are involved in that. And there's so much, I, and I'm not against you. you need to be with your kids, but I'm telling you, we now have a group of weak, sickly Christians that won't stand up to coaches and say, not Sunday. I asked the pastor Friday night, I said, if it's okay, I'd like to leave tonight and go home. Tara's here today. Tara just had a milestone birthday in her life. I'm not saying how old That's her business, God doesn't, the Bible doesn't give women's age nor their weight. (laughs) And I don't either. But I looked at him and I said, preacher, for 45 years, I have missed birthdays, I have missed ball games. I've left my family at the dinner table on Christmas to go sit with a family that was dying. And I I don't believe my kids do. Tara, I'm sorry if I failed you. I'm sorry if I failed Caleb. But honey, God gave me something so valuable. But I feel like I've got to give my all to it to take care of it. I know there's reasonable things with all things, but I'm telling you, it's out of hand. It's out of hand. There's not a church in this country I go into that doesn't tell me we've got a problem with commitment. We talk commitment, we preach commitment, but do we live faithfully to the Lord? We love that God's faithful to us, but am I faithful to God? Faithful to pray. Boy, I'm loading your wagon today, aren't I? Are Wednesday night prayer meeting attendance pitiful? Oh, well, we're doing better than most. You don't weigh yourself by others. You weigh yourself by what you had. When I came to this church, you could bank on it. Wednesday night would always be 75 to 80% of Sunday morning's attendance will be here Wednesday night and it wasn't uncommon to have more on Wednesday night than it was on Sunday morning. By the way, I'm I'm gonna finish up this part of the message. I plan to cut it in two, but go ahead and eat because I'm gonna cram it down your throat. And listen, I'm here to tell you, if I have to force feed you, I will. But anymore, you find out and you call singers and you say, well, we're really doing a lot to try to get this thing going and they'll all say, well, I'll come Sunday morning, I'll come Sunday night. Don't you book another one that won't come on Wednesday. I don't want a singer that just goes to church on Sunday morning. And I don't want to hear a preacher that just goes to church on Sunday morning and never goes if they're not preaching. Do you see the problem? Do you honestly expect me to believe as I stand here in sincerity before my family? Honey, I'm so sorry. The devil beats me over the head constantly for neglecting you. I am so sorry. I am so sorry. But I got to meet God. I got to meet God. You honestly, me as your pastor, seeing you and I see what some of you have been and what you are now, do you honestly believe I'm gonna stand here and preach this and you sit back there with a look on your face like I don't have to go forward. I'm super tuned with God. One Greek word for you, baloney. Liar, liar, pants on fire. Have a revival, have more visitors than we do our own people. Am I preaching anything that's not true? Oh, it was fine when I was on the preachers and on myself. Now I'm on your wagon. You don't like it too well, do you? you know why? You're too busy building your house. Too busy doing your things. I'll make a little time for God. Oh, well, preacher, God understands. Yes, He does. And He understands if you're lazy or not. He understands it all. Looky there. I preached longer to you than I've preached probably since I had Lyme disease, before I got Lyme disease. You say, well, I don't like that kind of preaching. Oh, there's plenty that won't preach it. You'll have no problem finding one. But you remember one thing, you'll never stand before God and say I had a pastor that didn't tell me I had to weigh in one day. You are the people of God. And if we would come together today and start seeking God and searching for God and his power. If we would do that, then we would see an ushering in of the mighty Holy Ghost of God that would bring a revival like we've never experienced before and souls would be drawn. You'd start going out saying, let me tell you about my God. Let me tell you about my church. Do you know why some people won't invite people to church? Because they live one way on the job and another way in the church and they have no respect. They have no regard for their life. But I'm here to tell you, I want to live my life so that God can look at me and say, you're doing it right, son. Keep going, keep going. I want God's power to rest on me.